the Vox Markets podcast with Justin Waite. Nothing in this podcast is intended as investment advice and the people in this podcast may hold positions in the stocks they talk about. Do not buy anything based solely on a tip or recommendation. Please do your own research. Welcome to the podcast on Tuesday, the 22nd of September, 2020. On the podcast today, Ian Smith, Chief Executive Officer of 1PM Group. OPM is ticker there. And Ian discusses their final results, current trading and outlook for the current financial year. Also on the podcast, David Sikletera, Chairman of Live Company Group, LBCG, ticket there. And David talks about how their challenging first half has set them up for growth in the forthcoming years. Plus, Nick Lee, Investment Director of Riverfort Global Opportunities, discusses their interim results and how their investment activity has increased substantially of late. Plus, Vadim Alexander, Head of Healthcare at SP Angel, discusses Cambridge Cognition and N4 Pharma. And as always... I have two lists for you at the end of the podcast, the top five most followed companies on box markets in the last 24 hours, and the top five most liked RNSs too. By the way, you can check out both these lists, top 10 versions of them at voxmarkets.co.uk, where you'll see lots of other content on companies right there, uh, something on, uh, let's have a look, uh, Sigma Rock, there's a piece there on Riverfort, of course, and a live company, there's also videos, there's a London Open Plus, our COVID-19 index, the biggest riser on that today is Tech Capital, up 6.5%, 12.25. Biggest faller, Intelligent Ultrasound, down 8.7% to 13 pence. Check that out at voxmarkets.co.uk. Vox Markets is an online community of investors that runs a free mobile and desktop platform that allows you to track news and updates about any UK-listed company. Offering RNS push notifications, detailed charts, pricing data, and much more. Find out more at voxmarkets.co.uk forward slash app. And joining me on the podcast right now is Ian Smith, Chief Executive Officer of 1PM Group. That's OPM ticker. Ian, thanks for joining me. Uh, morning, Justin. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, and you've just released your final results for the year, ended the 31st of May, and uh, what a year it's been. <laughs> well, in about the second right. half, of course. No one would have predicted that, but uh, but I think you've been you know, very res- resilient, considering. Um, let's let's get into it. Before we do this, always, just remind us, Ian, for people not familiar, what is 1pm all about, please? Yes, well, the name 1pm stands for One Payment Monthly, so that uh, gives you a clue that we're a, a financial services business. Uh, we describe ourselves as a non-bank specialist finance provider to UK SMEs. Um, the trading subsidiaries that we have in our group that deal with regulated business are all FCA authorised. Uh, we operate a hybrid model, as we call it, which means that we're a, we're a lender on our own balance sheet to UK SMEs, but we also broke business on to other funders uh, who provide finance to SMEs outside our credit appetite and to consumers. Um, we've deliberately set our stall out to be multi-product, which is to provide all of the core finance products that we think UK SMEs require. Um, and that's how we organise our four product divisions. So that's asset finance, invoice finance, loans and vehicle finance. Uh, and in the numbers that we've reported today, we're lending £123 million at present to the UK SME sector. Uh, we have £55 million of net assets on our balance sheet. We're dealing with about 20,000 SME customers, um, 179 employees across uh, six offices around the UK. Yeah. And like I say, you, you, know, you lend to SMEs, UK SMEs, so I, I presume you know, many of your customers have been impacted by COVID-19. So how has that affected, uh, that situation affected uh, 1pm then, Ian? 
Yes, I mean, clearly in the fourth quarter of our financial year, um, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic was felt. Many of our SME customers uh, have suffered a you know, shortfall in revenue and shortfall in cash inflow. Uh, it's only to be expected during the lockdown period. Um, how that's manifested itself on us is that we've had multiple requests for forbearance from our customers and we decided right at the outset that the right and proper thing to do was to support those businesses through this difficult time. So just to give you some, some data on that, as of, as of the 31st of August, so up to date, uh, we've had 1,244 customers ask us for some form of forbearance, which is a, effectively a payment holiday in terms mm. of their repayments to us. And that's about 9% of our overall customer base in terms of current lending. Uh, in terms of number of deals, uh, in terms of the value of money that we've lent, that represents about uh, £31 million worth of our £123 million of lending is in some form of forbearance. Um, and that's similar to uh, the rest of the industry. It's between sort of 25 and 30% of the total uh, lending is uh, in some form of forbearance, which, as I say, really is a payment holiday of some description for a number of months. But as I say, we think it's the right and proper thing to do. We've got a strong balance sheet and we've got the financial reserves to be able to do that for our customers. Yeah, but how, so how have you done this? How, did, how have you managed the impact? And uh, have you, you know, been able to continue lending? Uh, yes, we have. So right at the start of the uh, COVID impacts, we sort of went into crisis management mode, as it were. We had an incident management uh, team in place and we set out uh, essentially four principles to manage the uh, COVID impact. One was obviously, the first was obviously a dedication, dedication to the health of our employees. Uh, the second was an uninterrupted, seamless service to all of our customers whilst we were remote working. The third, as I just mentioned, was to provide support in the form of forbearance. And the fourth, crucially, was to remain open for new business to continue to lend. And I'm delighted to say we've been able to do that. Um, so because of the strength of our balance sheet and because of our cash reserves, we were able to provide forbearance to our customers without having to resort to our own uh, lenders to be able to request forbearance from them. And crucially, what that meant is that we were able to continue to lend to creditworthy and robust SMEs, and we've been delighted to be able to do that. Uh, on top of all of that, we decided very early on that we should be part of the government support schemes. So uh, we applied to become an accredited lender under the government's coronavirus business interruption loan scheme, Sybils as it's known. Um, and that has allowed us to lend to SMEs with the benefit of a government-backed guarantee. So, so yes, we have been able to continue to lend, and that's been important during this period. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, of course, you're going to be affected by it. The results can reflect that. So uh, just talk us through some of the headline results that you've got in. Yeah, so, I, you know, the results are satisfactory as a whole. Three quarters of the financial year, we were trading in line with market guidance. Obviously, with the impact of COVID-19, we withdrew that guidance in the fourth quarter, as many companies have done. But overall, we were still able to deliver 147 million of new deals, that's deal origination, compared to 161 million last year, so about 9% down. Uh, our revenue is 29.2 million, uh, similarly, uh, sort of 8 to 9% down on last year. Um, our profit before tax uh, and exceptional items was three million pounds, and that is substantially down on last year's figure of 8.1 million. 
But the reason for that is, as well as the trading in the fourth quarter due to COVID, we also took the opportunity to put a significant additional bad debt provision or an impairment provision into our balance sheet at year end. And that was 2.1 million as a kind of a one-off charge. And the reason that we've done that is that uh, there is clearly some uncertainty of how the economy is going to perform over the next few months. And there's therefore uncertainty as to whether there will be impairments in our balance sheet. So, so we felt it was appropriate to put a significant bad debt provision into our numbers to um, ensure that we're well covered for that situation. So that's what's caused the reduction in profit. Um, but uh, that's a year-on-year comparison at a point in time. I mean, we're still profitable. We're trading profitably. We're generating cash. And as I mentioned, we have 55 million of net assets on our balance sheet. And importantly, we have 174 million pounds worth of uh, funding facilities available to us, which is up uh, from this time last year, which shows the support that we're getting from from our banks and our funders. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the, the end of uh, year was the 31st of May, of course, that's three months ago now. So since then, how has trading been going? Uh, well, we've been very encouraged, actually, Justin. I think um, clearly there's no market guidance out there, but uh, we obviously have our internal operating budgets and we've beaten those budgets in the first three months of the year. So activity is gradually increasing. Um, and we've seen a month-on-month improvement over the first quarter. Uh, we're not yet back to pre-COVID levels of activity, but it's heading in that direction, which, as I say, is is very encouraging. And I think that's because you know certain sectors in the SME world are performing well. Um, you know, online distribution companies and obviously companies involved in the medical and healthcare sectors. Uh, to be honest, there's probably less competition there for us as well. In that certain lenders are not currently lending for new business so with our strong balance sheet we'd be able to take advantage of that and of course i mentioned the sibyl's product which has been an addition to us so yeah we're very encouraged so far by the first three months of the new financial year yeah and and, and, and it's hard to predict this because no one would have predicted coronavirus but uh you know looking at the outlook and the rest of the financial year how do you see sort of the uk smes you know sector fearing and the prospects for the recovery Ian? Well, I think it's going to be a mixed picture. I mean, it's very difficult to look beyond the next uh, couple of months, if we're, if we're all honest. I think it will be mixed depending on the particular sector in which the SMEs operate. It will depend on things like local lockdowns, which we're hearing a lot about in the mm-hmm. in the news. And will also ex- uh, depend, I think, very importantly, on whether the government chooses to extend the current support schemes like the furlough scheme and the you know bounce back loans and business interruption loans. So... Um, there's uh, certainly some uncertainty, but at present, as I mentioned, we're quite encouraged by the level of activities. And you know, two factors are quite interesting. One is that a lot of um, seaside towns and market towns are around the UK, their high streets are quite busy, uh, as opposed to sort of inner cities. And that's the type of businesses that we lend to. Um, and also, there has been uh, some data recently to show that new starts, uh, new start companies has increased quite substantially. So, I mean, there are signs that show that it's not all doom and gloom. And I think we're, as I say, cautiously optimistic about the prospects over the next few months. The SME sector in the UK has always been resilient. Yeah, yeah. And now, when, when something like this comes along, a pandemic, which is, you know, once in a generational time, this kind of impact is had on the world, you know, Businesses tend to look into themselves and do a couple of reviews and sort of change their direction a little bit or strategy. Has this affected your strategy in any way longer term? I, actually, I don't think it has. Um, you know, our plan has always been and continues to be that we want to build scale in each of our lending products uh, and lend more to UK SMEs. 
both organic growth and if the opportunities arise and when the conditions allow, we might look at acquisitions again as well. I mean, clearly we're not looking at that now because we're in capital and cash preservation mode, as, as you'd expect. But I still think we want to continue to build scale. We still want to reduce our borrowing costs. We'd still like to put more on our own balance sheet and perhaps broke out a little less. Uh, we have plans to invest in our branding and to become sort of one name and one brand in the next few months. Um, you know, we're looking at introducing some selected new products. Um, as always, we're investing in financial technology to become more automated and we're investing in key hires and succession plans. So effectively, all of the strategies uh, that we had a few months ago are still relevant. Clearly, there's a slightly different timescale now because of the interruption of the pandemic. But no, I don't think there's any change to our overall growth strategy. Excellent stuff. Okay, well, as you know, Ian, every day in the podcast, I highlight the top five most followed companies. To get on that list, people have to hit that follow button uh, quite a few times. So give us three reasons why an investor now should add 1 p.m. to their watch list, please. Well, in investment terms, our tangible net asset value on our balance sheet is £27 million, and our market capitalisation is well south of that. There's a substantial discount to our net asset value. So we are exceptionally good value from a share purchasing perspective. So that's reason number one. Secondly, you know, we have successfully navigated through this COVID period. We are profitable, we're generating cash and activity is increasing. So I think we're very well placed to take uh, the benefit of the economy as it recovers. And then thirdly, we've got cash in the bank, we've got a strong balance sheet. And very importantly, we've got solid support from all of our funders. So we're, we're very well placed. Excellent stuff. Ian, good to chat to you. And hopefully we'll catch up in the not-too-distant future. Thanks very much. Thank you, Justin. The Vox Markets Podcast with Justin Waits. And joining me on the podcast right now is David Sutlatera, chairman of Live Company Group, LVCG is the ticker. David, thanks for joining me. Good morning. Now, you've released your unaudited half-yearly results for the six months ended the 30th of June. What a six months has been. Unbelievable. And uh, we'll dig into that. But I like this, as always, because I know there's lots of new people trying investing for the first time, so they may be listening to the podcast and not have heard of the company. It's just just uh, for them, David, what is Live Company Group about, please? Live Company um, owns a brand called Brick Live, and Brick Live is a company that uh, runs events around the world um, using bricks. So whether uh, uh, they were exhibitions uh, or whether they're basically touring assets, uh, sets of dinosaurs, sets of elephants, whatever, um, they're all made of bricks. Uh, we, in fact, own a, a factory that makes these models as well. We have 100 million bricks in stock, and we basically uh, are a global business in Japan, Korea, China, uh, the USA, Israel, the whole of Europe, South Africa, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, these uh, these are six months ended June, and and you know the scenery is changing all the time. Uh, and uh, as I said, we're having an update tonight uh, from Boris Johnson. Uh, so who knows what he's going to say? But he'll probably contradict what he said pre- previously. But uh, you know, like I said, this is uh, looking backwards, and it's worth looking forwards, of course. But uh, you've had, a, you know, it's been difficult for you, of course, hasn't it? But uh, I suppose the encouraging thing is. You haven't had, what, you've had one show cancelled and most of them just postponed. Is that the case? Yes. I mean, if you get, if I just do a, a brief history, uh, first quarter was for us a sparking quarter. It's a million plus on addition to the numbers you would read because uh, they uh, obviously were events that we'd booked for this year. All of that revenue has been moved to next year. 
um, as you rightly said, 23 events were postponed and only one was cancelled. So in simplistic terms, we would the numbers would have been significantly larger for the first quarter. We came out in the first quarter thinking, well, this is going to be a great year. Then bang, like in many, many businesses, many, many people, it, we were shocked from the beginning of April what happened to us. And obviously an events business like ours had no business because we weren't allowed to go anywhere. People weren't allowed to go and see things. And obviously it, it, the, it was a difficult time. And that continued into Q2 and, uh, and obviously Q3. Uh, coming out at the end of Q3, um, we've, done, uh, we've done a huge amount. Of, from, since lockdown, we, we sat down and had a strategy. So what was our strategy and what, what, what have we achieved? Well, the first thing is we basically reduced the cost of the company on an annualized basis by £900,000, which is a significant reduction in our management and our overhead. Um, we, I believe there's a little bit more of that to do, actually. We're constantly looking at where we can save. So a, a pound saved is a pound made. And um, that was the first step. Second step, clearly... With no income coming in, we had to find money and cash for the company. I, I started the process by lending the company half a million pounds personally. NatWest supported us with a £250,000 loan. We then carried on. Um, we raised £400,000 um, in new equity. I converted £200,000 of my, my loan. And then we changed our main lender because we had we, we'd been with Riverford. Um, and we uh, terminated the River, Riverfort uh, um, lending facility by raising money from Close Brothers, who are now our main lender. We raised one and a half million pounds. That's all been announced in the recent period. So the strategy of building cash, that was obviously one key element. Saving money from cutting overheads, another element. The third thing was to really keep in touch with our partners, which we've managed to do around the world. And... Right now, as I speak today, we have 11 shows touring and basically those touring assets are in three different continents. We've signed new contracts into 2021. Uh, the most recent one was a contract for Bricasaurs in Israel, taking it through to the end of May. There afterwards, it's physically booked till November in Europe and we're in discussions now uh, for 2022. So basically, we're, we've been building on our existing positions. Um, we, so we had a strategy of looking towards, because our natural end in Europe came to the end of October, um, obviously when autumn winter sets in. So we have basically created a strategy of going to the sun. Our first deal we did was with South Africa. The show is launching there in December. You might have read that South Africa is ready to open for business again. We are also in Israel. We're also in Florida, in Naples, in Florida. We're in discussion now with a Southern Asian country for a, a show to go there next year. And Australia, who is extremely keen on supporting our product, is we're now talking um, in a year's time uh, uh, for a winter strategy there. So that was something I'm, I'm very proud of. We, 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 I'm sure, will expand that element. Um, we are looking, um, I believe, we're, we, we will be short of assets. We were short of assets at the beginning of the year, and I believe with all the interest and postponed shows that we've got for 21, we will need to build more. And we're already looking into two different um, 
uh, uh, touring sets of assets that will be launched in the summer of next year. Yeah, yeah. So, are you, I mean, you've got to feel now the toughest part of this journey through the pandemic is behind you, isn't it? And, uh, you know, like I said, it, will, it won't just start overnight, but, I mean, but slowly it's getting better, isn't it? Well, the first issue I had was survival was victory. Yeah. And any companies that I know did not survive. Um, and obviously it was very unfortunate <laughs> that we had to lose people. But we, it gave us the opportunity to reboot the business and to look at the business in a different way. We've also looked at uh, how do you, as a public company, you've got significant central costs, how do you reduce those? Well, unfortunately, in many cases, you can't. So we've also spent a lot of time looking at a complementary business to add to the business that will bring additional revenues and obviously use the same central costs. So we've been very, very active since day one. And, and now we're surviving, I guess. We've survived, now we're surviving. Now it's all about growth. And how do we grow this business in 21 and 22 and 23 and beyond? And we have a good business. Every asset that we have is interesting to people to buy or rent. So I feel, yes, today is perhaps not the best day to be talking about life. Um, our Prime Minister is obviously going to make a statement later. But let's look at his statement. His statement is likely to say that uh, for understandable reasons, they're basically going to um, close pubs, restaurants at an earlier time. But if you think about where we are, we're in zoos. They're, they've they shut zoos right in the lockdown. If they shut them again, the zoos won't exist. So I think the economic reality of, of where we are and what we're doing in, in life um, is not quite as is said. So I, I feel I don't see any negatives for this company going forward. I know the things that we will be releasing. I know the positive news that will be coming out of this company. And, and frankly, today's results there to the end of June, um, it, it seems a world away at the end of June, but you know, there were a time when nobody could go out of the house, and 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 uh, I think things are changed and have changed and will change. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think now they, they understand uh, the economic impact, and like I said, they're not going to go for a full lockdown. They're going to try and curb the spread, but obviously not damage business and all education. And so I think that's the way forward, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think we're through the worst of it. On that, like I said, uh, with an events business like yourself, you're right at the epicenter there. Like I said, people couldn't go out; they were allowed to go out. So, but uh, you survived that, and now, like you say, you've uh, you know rebooted the business, and uh, that's good. So. Let's have, uh, if you could, David, for, as always, three reasons uh, why someone should hit that follow button on your page on Vox Markets and add live company group to their watch list, please. Well, first of all, um, we're a global business, so we're not just uh, a British business. So, uh, and, and obviously, as the pandemic has shown, an interesting part, uh, a sidebar to that, is China. China has, it's not going to let people in. China lock people out for maybe six months. But they are absolutely going gangbusters on their domestic tourism. And we're in several conversations right now about things that we can do in China in Q1 next year. So the reality is the strength of the business is that we are global. Secondly, um, we own our own brand. We own our own assets. We're not licensing uh, the BrickLight brand. We own it, right? So we're the owner. Secondly, we build our own stuff. We're the only people who can build dinosaurs of that size. Um, we basically have 100 million bricks. We've got great staff. And, and I believe that our products are very attractive 
to people who use them. Excellent stuff. David, good to chat to you. Hopefully we'll catch up in the not-too-distant future. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you. The Vox Markets Podcast with Justin Waits. And joining me on the podcast right now is Nicholas Lee, Investment Director at Riverfort Global Opportunities. RGO is the ticker there. Nick, thanks for joining me. Yeah, great to be here, Justin. Now, you've released your unaudited interim results for the six months ending the 30th of June. And I've got to say they're quite impressive. Before we get into it, though, uh, Nick, for people not familiar with Riverfort, can you explain what you're about, please? Yeah, so basically Riverfort is a is a company which provides um, generally sort of funding, pretty flexible, bespoke type funding to you know the, the smaller sort of companies, both listed un- and unlisted. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and so you know most companies have seen a, a big dip in their revenues in the last six months due to COVID nineteen. You know, companies are shutting down. Uh, so take us through uh, what's the highlights of, of your financial results, yeah. if you could. Nick. So, so I think um, you know we, um, if you look at the sort of first half uh, half overall, you know we we were sort of we we trod carefully in the first quarter because you know lockdown happened and um, no, we weren't quite sure how things were going to work out. So we sort of focused in really, you know, getting getting cash back from our investments and not deploying so much so we could see how things panned out. Also, I mean, equity markets were pretty, pretty sort of um, lively at that point, um, which was interesting. And then, you know, we very much, um, you know, been very busy in the in the second quarter, um, and as a result, you know, our, our first half, well, it's a, it, I think is a great, great set of um, set of results. I mean, um, you know, we've, we've made a, a, a lot of income. And, and what's important is that, you know, it's not it's not just accounting income. It's proper income that is supported by cash flow generation. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're very pleased and, you know, we're sitting there with, with still quite a lot of cash um, available to deploy. Yeah. Well, take us through the numbers if you could, Nick. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so very, so very much, you know, I mean, m- most of our income comes through um, a combination of interest, fees, and then really um, in certain areas, conversion of, um, of equity upside and also... Uh, warrants. You know, we often um, seek warrants when we uh, when we do a, a, an investment, and um, you know, a number of the companies that we've been involved in, you know, because we're sort of helping companies implement their strategy, and you know, and these companies are sort of moving ahead. Share prices have done done pretty well. So, um, you know, a combination of those things have really um, built up our income stream. Yeah, and yeah. of course, you know, the other thing that um, it's always good to remind people is. Is that you know because we tend to invest more through a debt or equity linked debt structure, then you know our downside is very much protected, but we can participate in in equity upside because of the way the instruments are structured. So you know, a great way to invest in that sort of junior company listed space. Yeah, and I was quite struck by your margins there. Net profit margin was seventy four percent, so net profit of you know five hundred and sixty nine thousand, yeah. and the cash generated there was five hundred and thirty five thousand. So yeah, strong because margins. Our, yeah. yeah, because our you know because our income is um, you know is very much supported by by cash coming coming through. So um, yeah, as I say, it's you know it's not a, uh, a a book a book profit. It's a it's a real profit that we're um we're able to um to generate here yeah and uh, have you had have you seen any you know uh, 
negative impact or, or even positive impact from COVID-19? Um, I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it's a mix, isn't it? I mean, some some companies have done incredibly well, you know, companies that are in the sort of the, the tech space in particular, you know, um, COVID-19 has sort of been quite quite helpful to them. Um, and so that's an area, one of the areas we, we invest in. But I must admit, you know, pretty much all of our, our portfolio is um, is looking in in good shape, and uh, and I think that you know it's also helped with the um, you know the, I guess the interest in the markets because they've been 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 buoyant. That's also helped our um, you know investee companies. Yeah, yeah, and net uh, asset value it's increased. Yeah, so that's a function, obviously, of um, you know the fact that we've um, we've booked um, you know profits for the period. Um, and some of our investments have have, have you know, grown in grown in value. So um, yeah, a good you know a good good progression. Although you know we're still trading at quite a significant discount to that NAV, and you know that's a that NAV is what I would describe as a very much a high quality NAV because you know it's it's very much underpinned by um, sort of debt type investments and and cash. So you know you can't get more more solid than that, really. No, um, well, net asset value is eight point four five million, and uh, yeah. your current market cap, looking at it right here, is uh, five point five. So yeah. uh, and you've got three point three million of cash. Absolutely. So my whole point that you know mm. that, that I really think that you know we are we're sort of very undervalued for what we're able to both generate from a um, an income standpoint and also our, our level of, of, of net assets. Mm-hmm. And, and looking forward, I mean, do you feel confident in the strategy? Are you locked and loaded yeah. and, and, and you know, feeling yeah. now more positive about uh, the, the rest of the year? Yeah, so I think so, very much so. So, um, you know, this, as I think I said earlier, um, you know, this is very much a the, the, the sort of the third third set of results which have demonstrated profitability and generation of, of, of a good level of income and so I think that very much under underpins our our business strategy and you know I would say going into the second half of the year things are looking very um, very promising you know there's a good good level of activity we're seeing um, seeing a lot of investment opportunities so um, yeah it's looking you know against the sort of sort of more difficult background our business is looking pretty good yeah yeah okay well as always Nick um, you know every day in the podcast I highlight the top five most followed companies and to get on that list people have to hit that follow button on your page on Vox Market so yep. to get there uh, three reasons why someone should hit that follow button, please. Great. Okay. So, you know, I think now we've got a very clear and established track record of really generating both um, significant levels of income, which are underpinned by good good cash flow generation. Um, I think we're undervalued versus that income generation ability and on our assets. And I think that you know RGO is a great way for people to play the, um, the the sort of the junior listed company space with a good degree of downside protection, but with scope to um, participate in equity upside. 
Excellent stuff, Nick. Good to chat to you, and uh, hopefully we'll be catching up in the not too distant future. Thanks. Yeah, very much. brilliant. Okay, well, thanks, Justin. The Vox Markets Podcast with Justin Waits. And joining me on the podcast right now is Vadim Alexander, head of healthcare at SP Angel. You're right, fella. How you doing, Justin? Yeah, I'm good. It's uh, it's funny. I, I I know I was talking to John, uh, a mayor who's your sort of colleague there, and uh, he was saying they're going back to the office in and out. And uh, but now it's all changed again by the looks, isn't it? I mean, the, the landscape yeah. is altering as we move along, and so it's it's funny. Uh, you can look at it in in reference to sort of COVID stocks as well. They they've come back in favour, and they they sold off about a month back. They're back in favour now. But um, yeah. so at the moment, you are in the office, are you? Yeah, correct. Absolutely. We're doing, uh, uh, I guess, like some many offices are have uh, one shift on, one shift off, yeah. uh, you know, slow reintegration into the office um, to keep densities low, you know, get, as in employee count low at any given one time. So, yeah, we have uh, like a, a two, two team system. Uh, and then and then on the weeks that you're on you're on certain days and you know not every day so yeah it's a you know it's a, it's a start i think but i wonder if that's going to change now though. i never wonder, i wonder if that's going to change because now i just heard michael michael gove for saying if you they've changed their advice where they said before yeah, I know. please go back to work they're now saying if you can work from home which i suppose you can you have to work from home, yeah. so I don't know. What, it's, it's, it's odd, but um, yeah, you know, I think I, we all I, have to kind of see. I agree with you. Look, it's uh, it's changing uh, again, all over again. It's a, uh, and I mean, uh, this boils down to let's let's look at what's happening in Europe. You know, Spain is a good uh, proxy for what's going to happen here. I think. I, I honestly think it's it's it has been historically, and it probably will be again. It might look different uh, for cities like London, although that is hard to tell because look at Madrid. Madrid is getting hit hard again. So. You know who knows? Honestly, it's a, it's a, it's not looking good, quite frankly, in terms of numbers. So the the, the whole thing is starting all over again, basically. I don't think we're going to hit the same peak levels uh, that we did, you know, uh, before. And the the if you see the spike in in Spain's um, uh, cases, new cases, you know, and I think everyone has heard this before. You, obviously, testing was no, nowhere near as much as it is now. So it's a bit misleading. The first spike on the graph that we all see with Spain, you know, going up and then coming down and then going back up to uh, March levels, it's not quite that. I mean, March levels were probably much, much higher originally. We just weren't picking up the virus back then with yeah. through testing. So you know, I I, I do believe what uh, uh, Valence um, and uh, Witty were saying yesterday on the numbers, you know, the, the 50,000 cases per day, uh, I think he was saying, they were saying in October and then a month later, 200 deaths per day. That is true. I, I believe that. I, I actually think that's that's probable if nothing is done. So yeah, but the thing is, that, that, yeah, but that, that was like, uh, yeah, do you know what? Uh, there's been a lot of people question those figures. And I question those figures because like Spain and France are nowhere near doing what that what's happened. I mean, they're, we're doubling what every week pretty much. They're saying, uh, but as if you yeah. do nothing and everyone starts mingling, uh, like there's no social distance. I, I believe because that's the most extreme. I thought that was a misrepresentation, really. I know, and what they're trying to do is put the fear back into people to get them to bring down the spread. I understand that, but that wasn't a realistic uh, prediction of figures. It's, it's a bit silly that I thought that because I mean, that's, that's it, literally if we all went back to normal tomorrow we may get to that level but you know we're not doing that most people are not doing that you know most people are, are being sensible and at home you get the odd odd few people teenagers partying and stuff because they're teenagers and let's be honest they've been denied the social life uh, but i just genuinely think they have to put the fear back into us to, to, to bring down you know to flatten the curve again before we get a vaccine don't you think 
Yeah, no, look, I, I agree with you. I think there's some of that as well. So there, there is some politics as in, you know, you have to actually <laughs> um, overshoot on fear to, to get people to act. I agree. I think there, there might be some of that. They probably were prognosis. The prognosis was for probably for the worst case scenario, right? So, you know, let's plan for the worst and then hope for the best. I think, I think you're right. I think there's some of that as well. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the difference obviously come October, November time is it gets colder, people are indoors more and if they're indoors more together then, then yeah, the higher chance of the virus spreading. But I agree with you, the whole world has changed, we're all more careful people are doing all kinds of sensible things like wearing face masks, it's not necessarily the case for everyone uh, but, uh, but it's a very different world to the one in March when nobody knew what was going on at all and people were still cramming into, you know packed tubes uh, when the virus was spreading um, you know like wildfire so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right so, but I tell you what though, talk, it's definitely not the same exactly. talking about not capital same. yeah I mean we'll talk about this next week so I know you're doing a broader view of it uh, a couple more companies as well but uh, I did say I tweeted out last week saying the king of testing yeah, the crown goes to Novosite because they've really done really well at this but we'll cover that yes. next week now I know you want, yeah. you, you want to talk about a couple of stocks today one we've covered already because you mentioned dates, significant dates for certain companies. Cambridge Cognition was the first one. Yeah. Cog is a tick. They've had their interims out. What's your thoughts? I mean, it's a great set of results. And that's first of all, first of all, explain what, explain what they're about for people. Not Cambridge, Cambridge Cognition. What do they do? Yeah. So, so basically, uh, they are a um, basically a software and services provider to the pharmaceutical industry in the area of cognition. So, you know, specifically in the area of cognition. So they help companies, effectively, they help companies develop drugs uh, for, uh, you know, various, various areas where cognition matters. So one, one example is dementia, okay, which is a big indication and there's a lot of drugs in the pipeline for that, uh, that area. Um, and they need Cambridge Cognition's help to assess whether their drugs are working. So the, 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 the tools that Cambridge Cognition offers and the services around them are assessing how patients respond or how their cognition either improves or, or degenerates further uh, on or off a particular drug. So that's one area that, uh, that they're, that's predominantly where, they're, where their services um, um, are. They also have um, a, a set of services in, um, in the area of remote testing for clinical trials. So that's, that's another thing that we were mentioning is quite important uh, given the current circumstances, right? Clinical trials are more difficult to, uh, to run now with COVID. Uh, so this whole remote element is quite interesting as well. But, um, but, but mainly, you know, what, what we're seeing, and this is what the results are, have shown, is that they've seen an uptick in revenues uh, across the board. So, you know, across all of their services. They're landing bigger projects. Uh, one was announced earlier in September, which is, I think, one of their biggest projects ever. Uh, they, they landed a £2 million project, uh, which will, most of it will be deployed, um, as in uh, recognized, in 2021, uh, which is, a, you know, a, a step change um, in terms of revenues. Um, you know, they have uh, this morning they announced interim revenues of about three million pounds and they do about, you know, slightly more back end weighted. So, you know, probably exceed six million this year. Uh, you know, that's uh, I think last year they had or in at, at the, the, the growth rate um, like for like. So first half on first half last year is about thirty nine percent. I think they announced this year. Um, so that's a substantial growth, you know, that's substantial growth in revenues. The, the most important bit is they're seeing their order book, you know, it, it's been there's been a step change in their order book um 
Their projects are getting bigger um, across all of their projects. So all their sizes, all the different tiers of project sizes that they have, have gotten bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're basically, um, you know, putting a lot of emphasis on business development and driving revenues. And at the same time, they've cut costs uh, a, a lot. So they, they're, they've promised to hit profitability in Q4 this year. They're well on their way. Uh, cash uh, is is actually quite well managed. Their, their cash balances have increased. Um, you know, every, every, why I like this business mostly is it's quite simple. You know, revenues are coming through. Costs are being made. Our cost controls are, are tight. Um, the cash balance is now growing. Everything is going kind of to plan. And by the same token, their you know their 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 um, um, uh, share price is increasing. But that said, uh, it's a 15 million market cap business. Probably going to do something like six or seven million revenues this year. Hopefully, maybe even more. Um, next year's looking good already with you know these contracts that that, that I one particular contract that I've already mentioned. Um, everything is going in the right direction. Profitability will start coming through. Cash generation will start coming through. This is the time to see uh, to be buying a business because it's exactly when the shares perform a lot. Um, and I, I bring you back to another example up here, Exico, another company that. Uh, so I, 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 I mentioned this before. I mentioned it in the past. I own uh, both Exico and Cambridge Cognition because I like them for all these reasons. So Cambridge Cognition is, I would say, another Exico uh, in the making. Exico had about a four or five time uh, share price rise in the, over the last 18 months, two years, roughly, uh, even less, I think over the last 18 months. Um, and that's all because they were exactly in the same position. You know, they were break even ish, slightly loss making revenues started to come in strong. Um, and, you know, it, it just it, it's shifting into profitability. That company went from about uh, 10, 10, 12 million market cap business to about a 40 million market cap business. Well, guess what? Cambridge Cognition following in its footsteps very similar in terms of dynamics, um, has moved from about an 8 million market cap business is now a 15 million market cap business. And I think, you know, if you have more of the same over the next 12 months, you'll probably see that, uh, you know, continue. Uh, I'd love to see it as a 30, 40 million market cap business like Exico is. And there isn't that much difference in terms of, um, you know, revenues between these businesses. I think Exico is doing about 8, 9 million revenues going on 10. Uh, you know, Cambridge Cognition, six, seven million, and then hopefully going on uh, eight, nine next year. So, you know, this one has a lot to, in my opinion, if things continue going to the plan, you'll you'll hopefully see um, a, 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 another opportunity similar to Exico's. Anyway, so long story short, today's results, good set of results, yeah. exactly as expected, um, and long may that continue. Yeah, Your share price is ticking up. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I said I, I quite look, at, you know, I like looking for companies on the verge of generating cash because, in my mind, I mean, of course, you may get, I mean, it's plenty of companies' share prices arise on hype, hope, potential with no revenue, no cash generation, they loss make, of course. But real value generation, that's why share prices arise, is cash. Yeah. Basically, if they accumulate cash, they're generating ca- positive cash flow. That's how they create value, you know? And, um, yeah. and you're right. And I, I thought Ixico just took off, and I thought, wow. And uh, they are. They, I thought Lexco was at their peak, but overvalued. But again, you know, it looks like uh, Cambridge Cognition, to, to a certain extent, that isn't pricing at all. There's a potential here at all. So, um, yeah, know, th- at this mean, level, that, this, this, generating cash like, at this level, you know, in a tech company like this, uh, that's good, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's very absolutely. positive. Absolutely. Know? Know. Exactly. I, I think so. Here's the story. Here's what's happened to Cambridge Cognition. Two years ago, roughly, they profit warned. 
Um, and, and look, you know, th- this is, it's true. The, the, this is there. It, it's all about when you get in, right? So, you know, they hit a stock price of about 175p only two years ago. Okay. They dropped on the profit warning. This is where they, I believe they were grossly oversold all the way down to 18p. Okay. So they've lost, not, they lost about 90% of their value over, admittedly, it wasn't just on the profit warning. They were already coming off. Uh, I think there was anticipation of things weren't going quite as well, but it wasn't like revenues went to zero. They dropped down from, I think, a high of, uh, or anticipation of six or 7 million. And then they, 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 they had a, a bad half. And, um, and then they ended up hitting five and a half or five and a quarter in 2019 in, in total revenues, five, five sterling. Okay. Now, does that justify a complete annihilation of the share price? I don't. I don't believe so. And that's where I thought it overshot. Um, they weren't that particularly cash constrained. Uh, they, st- you know, they're, they're doing now. They're doing to- completely fine. Share price has doubled from its low, but you know, it goes to show you the potential this stock has. You know, it, it's. Um, you know, I can see this going north of 100p again, only because they're stronger. You know, much stronger. The risk is stronger than ever now. Um, you know, they have good cost control. At the time, they were also burning more cash because they were investing a lot into into product development. They're they've done that. There's a lot less burn, and now the revenues are coming through. Well, that's it. So I mean, it's I, all, have you have yeah. seen a have you seen a chart of um, the hype cycle? And there's a chart. And it, basically, if you get in very early on any stock that's in a hot sector, uh, and this I yeah. suppose, you know this is med tech and it's in the brain space, uh, it's very hot. So we'd got in, you know, with their IPO, and in fact, the IPO, I'm looking at the chart, was probably around about, what, 80 pence, by the looks of it, and uh, mm-hmm. it shot up to like 160, or it doubled there within a couple of years, uh, within three years, and then all of a sudden, you realise then the, the valuation is very high, and they're not generating any cash, they're burning cash, and so people start to sell, taking profits, uh, and that begets more selling, and uh, mm-hmm. and now you just had a realisation they're coming back round, and then with a the hype cycle, you know the chart comes out, com- comes off. So either get in early and take profit, and then get up and wait for cash generation because that takes a while. But now you'll have a more sustainable rise because, like I said, they are generating real cash and they can they can it, uh, be it, based on their valuations properly. You know, exactly, exactly. And it's not uncommon for businesses like this. You know, when when it all finally starts rolling, you know, it, there is still risk. I'll always say, you know, that there is an element of. If contracts don't come through again, you know that's that's where the risk is here. Okay, but at these levels, it's it's at least you're not coming in at an overvalued price. You're coming in at you know at a good price. And you know, it, it, if anything, it, revenues would 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 run flat, but they're not hemorrhaging cash. Now that's the downside risk, in my opinion. The upside risk is they land one or two big contracts again, and all of a sudden you have one to two million in profitability. Uh, you know, and this thing is value- under those circumstances, like Ixico, you see valuations of four or five times revenues, which isn't actually crazy. Those aren't crazy multiples um, for a company that's moved into profitability. You know what I mean? Because if you see, you know, a business that's doing 10 million, 12 million in revenues down the line, you know, we're looking at two, three, four million in profits. Um, you know, th- then you're looking at a 40 million market cap business. So that's that's why this isn't it's not that far out. It's It's within reach. You know, in the next couple of years, two or three years. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, I like them, and I'll keep an eye on them. Um, uh, I hate buying a stock when it's up in the day, but uh, I'll, I'll keep watching. Uh, Mom, um, uh, what's next? Uh, you're going to mention another stock, yeah? Yeah, this is a, another stock, uh, N4 Pharma. This is a company we act for at SP Angel. Um, mm. uh, basically, why I want to flag them today is because 
I just, they, they've had an announcement that's been, I find that they're oversold basically. So they had an experiment that, uh, this is um, one of their preclinical experiments, um, hasn't really delivered on one stage, which is, so l- let me just take a step back. Stock price is down about, you know, from a peak of 816p down to about four and a half today. Um, and why I see their value, there's value in this is because th- this is the, this is, this stock moves quite a bit. So, you know, obviously you want to buy on the lows and sell on the highs. And yeah, like, it's like a bit of a other. trader's dream. You know, I've had an idea on the podcast. Yeah. And um, this stock does tend to get ramped on Twitter and they, on, on news that it's going to the moon. And then, like I said, you know, last time it rallied, it was at this sort of level. Uh, and uh, mm. and then it just, in, a, in a couple of sessions, it went from five pence. Like you said, it, it did sort of peak at 16. We didn't it, it closed there, but it closed at like 12, 13, 12 and a half pence. So literally yeah. doubled in a couple of sessions and now it's dropped back off. Like it's it's quite volatile, isn't it? Because uh, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this is a bit less, it's not as much, it's not like Cambridge Cognition, completely different beast, if you like. It's a different um, uh, trading strategy on this one in, in that, you know, this is the one, this, this is the type of stock where you see it hit these kinds of lows and it starts to become interesting again in terms of, and, and, and more importantly, why is the question? And I guess I'll take you through it because I think it's worth understanding. It's quite technical, uh, so I'll try not to get too technical on it. But basically, normally preclinical companies don't give you like the granular detail of, you know, experiment by experiment what they're doing, right? You know, it's basically at this stage of development, you try, you're trying a lot of different things. And if something works and something doesn't work, that doesn't mean the program is valid or not valid. It's the, it's the totality of the results that make you decide whether you advance a program or not. Well, so that, that's their share price is off, whatever it is, you know, like you said, from 12p to say 4p. So about, you know, six, two thirds, it's come off two thirds of its value uh, on, the, on a small preclinical experiment. Um, and meanwhile, the company still decided to advance the program into uh, full uh, in vivo animal modeling. Okay, this is all early stage stuff, but the animal modeling is the most important experiment, in my opinion, and that's that's where I think you know they'll be judged. You know, and they'll make they'll, they'll make their decisions on whether they're. This is a COVID program, by the way, so they're testing uh, basically a, a vaccine delivery system. That's their platform, and the way they, the way you ultimately test these things is in an animal model. Okay, and you see if it generates antibodies to the antigen that you're trying to test. Okay, so they're testing their delivery system of a COVID vector, okay, um, and to see if it, if the, the the animal generates antibodies to, you know, co- anti-COVID antibodies, okay? And that's what the experiment that they're now planning to run. So they're, prog- they're progressing the program, okay? And that's what I find is a little bit uh, strange about the share price performance is it's come down, it's basically collapsed on a program that they're progressing. So, so the, the news may have been slightly negative and indeed, um, you know, that that was the case, but it wasn't uh, enough to kill the program. That would have been material news. Then I would have understood that kind of share price decline. But given that the program is advancing and it's what you would expect, you know, that you wouldn't just kill a program on one, like I was saying, at preclinically, you don't kill programs on one negative small result you kill programs when everything isn't working, okay? Um, so here they're advancing the program into the most important um, study. Uh, we'll probably hear on that, st- I don't know when the um, the study, they're still, they're gonna report back on when, the, when they intend to commence the study and what the study will look like, but let's let's wait to hear on that. But uh, normally these studies don't take very long, they take like three to six months. So we'll, we'll, that, that to me is the big news flow that we'll be waiting on on the COVID result, okay? And then more importantly, it, this isn't just a COVID company, they, they, their plasmid 
uh, delivery, sorry, their um, um, uh, uh, vaccine delivery system is of interest to, to vaccines, you know, not just to COVID, a COVID vaccine. And the importance of that, actually, here's where COVID fits into all this, is that COVID has become a tailwind for vaccine development across the board, right? Yeah. What I think is going to happen come the next, you know, few, well, it's already happening now, but for the, the, the years to come, is that you'll see more and more interest into vaccine technologies from all vaccine developers. You see what I mean? And that's the real play here in N4, is that if they have a platform that's of interest for vaccine delivery, you know, that's where the long-term big money is in this company, is that they sign an agreement, they demonstrate that their technology works better than other technologies currently available. Uh, one area, what for example, is they're looking at oral delivery of vaccines, and that's a big area because people are sick of having jabs, right? So that's one example. There are certain oral delivery platforms out there. Uh, they haven't quite caught on. Uh, 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 they're not ubiquitous in the sense that jabs are still the primary way of getting a vaccine, but you can see a future where we move away from jabs and go into oral vaccines. So that's one area where N4 is doing work. And, um, you know, the commercial um, future of this business is in partnering, not just in COVID, you know, it's, it's in partnering this vaccine platform to vaccine developers. So look, I'll stop there, Justin. I think I've, I've given people a mouthful on, on that company. But the, the main point from a trading standpoint, I do see this stock, you know, has the potential to, uh, to spike in the future again. Uh, and, uh, and now it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's come off a lot. So it's starting to look cheap. Yeah, I think the new problem is here, like you said, they haven't got any revenue. They're loss making, of course. They they rely on placings at the moment, and, and that's it, isn't it? So it's a boom or bust situation. So when they get good news, or the potential for good news, um, you know, they boom, and uh, the time to get in is probably you're right. I mean, they've got the, the thing is the good the good point of this is they've got uh, as an end of uh, what was it end of the year the cash balance at the end of the period for their interims and uh, remember this. Um, it's like two million plus, yeah. yeah two point four million. Yeah, so that's, that's fine. Right. I, don't even, I don't know if I'm right here, but the shares an issue here, but uh, they're about eight million market cap or just below that. So um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You've so, got so, it. I mean, they've got. got I mean, exactly. they've got the cash. They've got the cash there, but again, it's it's it's, a, it's almost like um, you know what's it called? It's a very binary outcomes on their res- results, isn't it? That's the trouble, you know. Yeah, I, look, this. You're absolutely right. The, the the shares move on these stocks aggressively, one way or another, right? And and. Uh, what I'm flagging today is there's been an aggressive move downwards. Um, the company isn't going anywhere. Just like you said, financially, they're not in, in they're no financial distress at all. Uh, you know, they have cash. They're not burning. You know, the, one of the beauties of uh, UK listed preclinical businesses is they don't burn very much money. You know what I mean? So that's that's important here. This is this is, you know, and for they're not burning that much money. They can do a lot of this work on very little resource. Um, and you know they have that resource now, so I'm not particularly concerned about the financial position of the business for the next two years. You know, um, I, I think they're fine. Um, it, you know, the question is more: Are they oversold? That, that's my point. So from a from a you know uh, 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 a an investor play right now, it feels like they're nearing being oversold a little bit, and and that's that's exactly that's that's the very point here. That's that's why I'm flagging them today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, that, I, it may take a bit of time because yeah. uh, what they have to do is build towards uh, some kind of. Uh, so what's the next sort of milestone? Are they, are they um, I mean, what's the next bit of news they're hoping? Because that's what will drive them. I mean, it's a news-driven stock, of course, at the moment, and uh, I suppose yeah. people people pushing this or promoting this will be pinning uh, their hopes on a positive outcome from the next bit of news, but. Um, do you know no, I agree with you. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so one one thing. So we've just had the interim results. 
we will hear more about their their uh, animal model program. So what yeah. what their plans are for for this uh, this in vivo trial. So that's what I'm keen to hear is what the that's when we'll know what the timelines are for that program. And then uh, and then there's oral delivery and there's you know the, the other the other bits that I mentioned. We're, we should hear some news on that uh, you know from here until the end of the year. But uh, the you know the interesting will be uh, to see how that uh, program is you know what what the plans are for that program and the timelines. But l- let me put it to you like more generally speaking, you know these these types of experiments don't take they don't take one year or two years. You know the one year tops usually we're looking at three to six months. So hopefully we'll hear f- from them soon on that, and that'll that'll set out the timeline for the next twelve months. Yeah, yeah. And then usually what you know what what I would like to see is it bottom out bottoms out eventually like we're still seeing price moves there's still a lot of volatility right the price is trying to find its bottom once it does you know as i was saying i don't see the downside of the cash balances is that you know that they have cash everything is fine there's no there's no financial distress in the business for the foreseeable future and then over the next 12 months you'll have the 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 whole news flow plan laid out probably fairly soon by the company on the back of what this in vivo study is going to, you know, is going to deliver and on what timelines. And that's exactly when you see, so you see the share prices overshoot. Um, there's a, there's a bit of a bump b- bouncing around at the bottom, trying to find, yeah. find the bottom. Um, and then you, then the programs start to either deliver or not deliver, you know, and that's, there's always risk, right? That the risk still remains whether the program is going to deliver, but at least you'll have the, uh, the, 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 the program laid out in front of you. And there is no real way of testing this rather than, in, you know, doing it properly in an in vivo model, which is what they want to do. That, that's my point is that the end result here is that they're moving the program forward. Yeah. So, you know, it would be it would be wrong of them to do that if they didn't have enough data to, to believe in what they're doing. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Cool. you know. All right. Marvelous stuff. Cheers, Fat. Good as always, uh, Vadim. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. Excellent. Thanks, Justin. Speak soon. Okay, it's time for the top five most followed companies on Vox Markets in the last 24 hours. They are at five. Boohoo! Oh, up 1.9% to 3.15. At four, Europa Metals, down 8.3% to 8.25. At three, Amrit Pharma, down 3% to 196. At two, Alba Mineral Resources, down 5.7% to 0.33. And at one, Sirius Minerals. It's non-mover at 5.5 pence. All right, top five most liked RNSs are as follows. At five, Roslyn Data Technology. Audited results for the year ended 30th of April. At four, Minds and Machines. Notice of results, briefing and presentation. At three, Nakama Group. Holdings in company. At two, Symphony Environmental Technology. And that's uh, Cotrupal. That's a, uh, what is it? Uh, it's a supermarket chain in Brazil have launched D2P and D2W shopping bags. That's, of course, Environmental Technologies uh, tech within that. They are protecting against uh, coronavirus and they degrade as well, even though they're plastic. And uh, yeah, very positive uh, RS there. And I think uh, as, as the... Uh, the CEO said, or chairman, uh, or CEO said, uh, they think other companies will follow their lead there in protecting the environment and customers alike. Uh, and at one, the top most liked RNS came from Open Orphan. I haven't spoken to Cahill for a while. Hopefully, we'll get him on the podcast. A new contract win there. 
the subsidiary Venn Life Sciences secured an important new contract to support a major European pharmaceutical company. Uh, they're up 1.35% to 15.05 pence on that news. That's it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Much us appreciate it. The Vox Markets Podcast with Justin Waite. Nothing in this podcast is intended as investment advice and the people in this podcast may hold positions in the stocks they talk about. Do not buy anything based solely on a tip or recommendation. Please do your own research.